0: tell me to see some little spots before they get a migraine. I'm like, Oop, okay, that's out for you.
1: Hi, this is Alice. This is Shafali. And you're listening to Peds Admit. We're back today uh, for another part. <laughs> Once again, here we are. Another part of our birth control series with Dr. Natalie DeRosso. It is such an important topic. We we continue to cover it. Mm -hmm. Today, we are talking about oral contraceptive pills. And just as a reminder, Natalie is finishing up her Adolescent Medicine Fellowship in New York. And she's also a formal advocate through Physicians for Reproductive Health. Let's get started talking about OCPs. OCPs. So we've talked about our long-acting progesterone-only methods. Can we talk about the pill?
0: Oh, yeah. So these are really, really common, I would say. While I think that iodine implants are great, and they're, again, the most efficient methods because you put it in and you don't think about it for years, the pill, the patch, and the ring are more common and more readily used and more readily talked about, especially the pill. So the pill will be like, well, I can talk about the pill first. Mm -hmm. And I think to understand like how the pill works it's to, to think about like the classic pill that most people think about, which is like a 28-day cycle, mm-hmm. 21 active pills that contain both estrogen and progesterone. And then you get seven days of pills that are placebo that basically either have iron or like nothing in them really. Okay. There are a lot of different formulations. You can get something that only has like four placebo pills. You can get something that has no placebo pills. But that's kind of like, I would say that that's the classic model, right? And then everything's mm-hmm. at, a a modification from there. Mm -hmm. And then each pill contains estrogen and progesterone. And how they work is similar to like the other methods, right? They suppress your ovulation because you're constantly getting a small amount of estrogen and progesterone. They thicken your cervical mucus. They inhibit implantation of thinning the endometrial lining and they slow tubal mobility. So very similar way of working at the other things that we discussed. When you get the pills, you can have different types too. You can have like a monophasic pill, which has the same amount of estrogen and progesterone in each active pill or a triphasic pill, which has a variable amount mm-hmm. of progesterone, sometimes estrogen, depending on the pill. So when you see something that's like ortho tricycline, mm-hmm. that's your monophasic pill, whereas a Yasmin or even OrthoCycline, Sprintec, those are all monophasic.
1: Oh. What are they trying to accomplish by making it triphasic versus monophasic? Is there a theoretical benefit?
0: or Somebody thought that the triphasic was going to make it more physiologic.
1: Interesting.
0: So okay. Someone thought that they were a woman and decided in the lab that this will make you more physiologic. But no studies have shown that there's actually any benefit between something being triphasic versus being monophasic and depending on what you're using birth control pills for often you'll choose something that's monophasic like if someone has very heavy bleeding and i want to stop the bleeding Mm -hmm. i'm going to go with a monophasic pill that's something that's between 30 and 35 micrograms of estrogen because i really and a very potent progesterone that will help stabilize the lining because i don't need the progesterone to be flip-flopping every week while like bleeding all over the place i want it to like give them a constant amount. So when you are treating someone with DUB or heavy menstrual bleeding or, or abnormal uterine bleeding in the hospital, if you're giving them birth control pills, you're probably treating them with a monophasic pill. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And in residency, I never paid attention to like what the pills look like, but now I do.
1: I know that was my number one question for adolescent rotation is like, okay, I need to walk away from this with a, a couple names of pills in mind, you know, yeah. because I just, it's hard to Google. I don't know.
0: The helpful thing with just if you're like trying to learn which pills to keep in mind, sometimes it's also helpful just to understand that there's different progesterones, different classes of progesterones and estrogen. Okay, how much estrogen do I need for something? If somebody's a heavy bleeder, I need something that's a little bit more stabilizing for the endometrium. So you're talking about like a 30 microgram estrogen. And then I want maybe a more stable progesterone. And so if you know the different classes of progesterone, then you really just need to know a couple of pills that fit within the class so if you think about it the way you think about steroids for eczema mm-hmm. right when you think about steroids for eczema right you just know you 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 may only use like one or two of those steroids that are in harriet lane right yeah. but you just okay i know Kenelog is this strength i know this is this strength right but like i don't care i don't care about all the different names i just care about the strength mm-hmm. look at what the different progesterones are then you actually will feel a bit more empowered to kind of play around with what pills you're using, or at least pick and remember which pills in what class that you want.
1: Mm-hmm. You start a pill and you get a side effect, then you can sort of strategize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once you've in the visit where you prescribe the pill, what does your counseling look like for the patient? Do you have specific anticipatory guidance, what to come back for, what to expect when they start it?
0: Sure. So... First thing I always talk about, like why they're on the pill. If you're on the pill for a contraception, I always make over, like go over, like how often you should take the pill, and how you should take the pill at the same time every day. And it's really important to like set a alarm and so that you have a routine set up. And like how to troubleshoot around missing the pill because I have a lot of young ladies who miss the pill. I usually go through the days of the week because I think that's easier for people to conceptualize. So. If you say it's Monday and you missed your pill on Monday and now it's Tuesday and you realize you missed your pill, what do you do? So, okay. You take two pills. You take a pill on Monday. You take Monday's pill and Tuesday's pill. If it's now Wednesday, what do you do? And sometimes people will be like, take three pills together. And I'm like, no, 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 bad idea. You're going to throw up because the pills can make you very nauseous. Mm -hmm. So I do remind them you take a Monday and Wednesday together and then you take Tuesday and Thursday together. And then I tell them, you know, if you've forgotten it's Thursday and now you've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what do you do? And they're like, oh, they think they can do the same thing. And I'm like, no, you have to start a new pack. Oh. Three years in a row, you need to start a new pack and use a backup method for seven days. So I try let them remember that the, the magic number of three, that's too many pills to ever take at once. And if you already missed three, you need to restart. Okay. The other thing is I let them know that you might have some side effects in the beginning when you first start, especially the first one to three cycles, headache, nausea, vomiting, skin changes, mood changes, similar to before. The things to really watch out for is we use a mnemonic called aches, Mm -hmm. which I think you guys had asked me about earlier in terms of just thinking about how to watch out. So aches will be a couple different things. So there can be like uh, abdominal pain. So, if you're having like sharp, sudden, unrelenting abdominal pain, if you start developing chest pain, if you start having really severe headaches, E is for vision problems. So, if you like loss of vision in one eye, and S is, of course, for severe leg pain, which is if you have swelling in one leg. So, those are all DVT signs. Typically, always screened to make sure that you don't have any setup to have DVT, like you don't have lupus. You haven't had a DVT in the past, a PE in the past. I think now having, you know, experience what we experienced with COVID and realizing how many people have thrombotic risk, you know, mm-hmm. it might be something to consider. There's not really guidance on that, but it is something to consider if you had a thrombotic event while having COVID, should you go on estrogen birth control? but I go over those as well. And I go over the aches and I go over aches every visit as well to make sure that those things aren't happening. We're not missing
1: it. Okay. That's good feels that I didn't have for my patients. So if you miss one day, you take two pills. If you miss two days, you take two pills. If you miss three days, start a new pack. Yes. And then you're looking for aches as your side effects. And that's abdomen, chest pain, headache, eye pain and swelling, which is your classic lower extremity swelling DVT signs. And these are all just the thrombotic events that you want to counsel your patients about. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Okay. Do you warn about any other like more vague side effects when they start the pill or is it, is it pretty well tolerated? So was different,
0: right? So we talked about how you can have different progestins that you can use. So I do ask them to pay attention to what side effects you have. Some people have terrible nausea with pills, right? So if you're like Vomiting and can't stop, I want to know, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a threat of vomiting your pill every two seconds. If you're vomiting, I might think about trying to go with something with a lower estrogen content, People think about like high dose and low dose estrogen. To be honest, almost all the pills we use are low dose. They're not in the 60s where people are giving 50 milligrams of estrogen. The highest you're probably ever going to use is 35. And that's already kind of low in comparison. But, you know, if someone's really nauseated, I might go with tricycline low or something that has 15, 12 or less micrograms of estrogen. I always ask about headaches. might feel some breast tenderness that can go away with time. I do ask about how your acne is. So often we use birth control to help treat acne, especially if you have PCOS. It can be really helpful. Or just hormonal acne along with your retinoin and and any kind of cream or anything like that. But some pills are not as great for acne. So some progesterins have a lot more of an androgen effect and they can make your acne worse. So, I might look at what pill you're on and switch you to another pill. The things that are FDA approved for acne are things like an orthotricycline or a Yasmin, mm-hmm. not have androgen effects and help decrease your acne. Oh, okay. Yes. What I don't talk about often that people complain about sometimes is changing libido. Mm-hmm. I have experienced that with many of my patients, but it is something to consider. Some people may not feel as much as a sex drive, but it's not something I personally experience often. Mm-hmm.
1: I like the way that you talked about the mood change earlier, which is just this is a hormone change. You might have a mood change. Yeah,
0: everyone's variable, right? So some people, they can be very sensitive to hormones than others. You know, I have a lot of patients who do suffer from anxiety, have PTSD, have strong mental health histories. So we do talk about what is this birth control going to be like on, you know, if you're on an antidepressant or something like that. I recommend continuing. Mm-hmm. Like I can often to see how it's affecting your mood if you feel like it severely affected your mood, sometimes just changing the formulation can be helpful. Sometimes going from like a triphasic to a monophasic can be helpful. People can feel sensitive to that fluctuation, Mm -hmm. changing your progesterone or changing the estrogen content can also be helpful as well. But while I say that the birth control can affect your mood, lots of people also use birth control to treat their mood, right? So people who have really bad PMS, people have PMDD, you can use birth control along with your antidepressant mm-hmm. to help improve your mood. So it's a double-edged sword. I try to really tell people, we got to figure out what works for you. What works for your friend or what for your mom isn't necessarily what works for you. So it's a little bit of trial and error that people have to be a little patient about. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. All right. And then when starting the pill, what do you think about giving a period four times a year every three months as opposed to a monthly cycle or a monthly placebo week?
0: extended cycling, which yes. I don't like getting my period. So I think extended cycling is great, <laughs> but I don't always start people on extended cycling. They can cause a little bit of breakthrough bleeding. There's a lot of things in the market, like Season E seasonal, which are really marketed towards, you know, this is extended cycling. This is what you need to be on. Mm-hmm. You can extend cycle anybody on anything, basically any monophasic pill. You just cut out the placebo week and they just kind of keep going for three weeks at a time. The only thing is, is that people can have breakthrough bleeding. So sometimes I'll kind of slowly graduate you. So I'll do like two months and then get your period three months and then, you know, get you there slowly and not right away.
1: So the breakthrough bleeding is like, you need to shed your endometrial lining. Let's give it a try.
0: Yeah. At some point your body's like, I need to bleed, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's also an extended cycle pill that you can be on that's 365 days a year. But I've had patients have really bad breakthrough bleeding on that. So Often if you're on that, I really do want, you know, and if you start bleeding mid cycle, I'll make you stop for like three or four days and then restart. But it's fine. It's not necessarily something I would start on if you've never been Mm -hmm. on a method before, because I might want to make sure you have a couple regular cycles and then graduate you to extended cycling. But that's my personal opinion. And I do extend cycle people all the time. Lots of people don't want to have their period Mm -hmm. for the summer. I don't think that's
1: Just keep on taking it. Yeah.
0: As long as you understand that you can do it with any monophasic pill, then you don't always have to switch them to a different brand. They can kind of stay with what they are and you can empower them to use the pill that they're on. Yes. To their schedule. And they can
1: sort of own their schedule in that regard.
0: Yeah. People get very attached to their type of pill if they like it. They're like, this is the only pill mm-hmm. that they want and they don't have anything else. So,
1: Yeah. So speaking of their type of pill and the prescription in general, I've heard from some of our adolescent providers that you should always prescribe a year of refills when you start the pill. Is that something that you practice or do you have a set number of, in you, we need to be a little more careful because I'm a little worried about this X, Y, or Z?
0: So I would say your attendings are very smart. That's definitely in the reproductive world what's Mm -hmm. really recommended. We should have at least a year. It's been shown to Mm -hmm. increase compliance. But people know that they have the refill readily available. Now, depending where you work, everyone might have mm-hmm. cultural differences. So where I work is a little culturally different in that we I usually have people come in every three months. So we'll give a three-month supply. We have pills mm-hmm. on hand, so we give you a book in the visit. So you don't have you to the pharmacy. And so we ask you to come in three months to check in, and then we'll give you three months and then graduate you to six months or a year, depending if you're consistent. But, you know, that really depends on your patient population and kind of like how compliant people are in general. But I think the rule of thumb really should be a year. You see what happened with COVID. Yeah. I was definitely writing people a year long refills because I was like, this is ridiculous. And you need to have your birth control pills. It's not going to tell teenagers to have more sex. It's not going to tell teenagers to be more risky. In fact, you're just going to break down the barrier that prevents them from protecting themselves. So the other thing is when you're also prescribing, not just saying like, oh, I'm going to give you a year of refills, but dispense one, you know, think about how hard it is for you as a resident to get to the pharmacy, right? I usually dispense at least three at a time so that they're only going to the pharmacy for a couple of visits a year. So they have a couple of packs with them at a time.
1: That's so, mm, that's something that I don't think about enough when I'm prescribing a medication besides slow vent, one for home and one for school. But this is...
0: yeah. I think that, you know, with reproductive access, you got to think about what the barriers are to getting to to things. And then I think that what's happened in the country in the last year has has really changed how I think about access and realizing that, you know, tomorrow is not for granted, right? You, your pharmacy might be here today, might burn tomorrow. So, you know, I really have collected what pharmacies are delivery. There are a lot of great delivery Mm -hmm. services for birth control costs as well in case people can't get in. And really thought about how do I make this easier for my patients? In addition to giving a good amount of refills and dispensing multiple mm-hmm. packs is also give a plan B every time you dispense oh. as well. People forget, people start late, people mess up, you know, people stop birth control because they just feel like it that month, things happen. And so every visit when I start somebody on a pill The pill takes seven days to kick in. It takes seven days to reach steady state to be protective. So I will always give a plan B. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I give more than one to get you through that week. Now, I do recommend that you use condoms because condoms is more effective Mm -hmm. than plan B. But, you know, if they already came in and not using condoms, you know, what are are my chances that they're going to use condoms at that time? So I tend to give a spare plan B to hold on to along with at least at minimum three months of
1: pills. Wow. That's really, really nice. Cause then they're just prepared for whatever might happen.
0: Exactly. And if they don't, you know, sometimes they'll be like, I don't want this plan B. If you don't want it, great. Give it to a friend. It costs
1: <laughs> you- it's a nice favorite to do for somebody.
0: Yes, but you should have it and you should have it available because you know what happens if I give them, you know, six months and then they don't come in at the six month mark You know, but they have sex. At least they have the plan B to hold them over to before they come
1: in. Mm -hmm. What what have we not talked about with regard to OCPs that's important for us to know?
0: I guess the only other thing is we didn't talk about like the other uses of OCPs other than pregnancy prevention. So, I mean, they're great for pregnancy prevention as long as you take them the way you're supposed to take them every time. I use them often for painful periods, heavy periods as well. It's a great method. If you have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and you're not having a regular period, I do like starting pills because it'll help give you a regular cycle, and it will turn down some of your hyperandrogenism, Mm -hmm. testosterone. So that's helpful. And some of those girls have gone you know, a year, three, four months with no period. And so they find it really relieving to have a regular period and knowing when their cycle's happening. And I think keep them on birth control for a while actually, as they also do lifestyle changes to help affect their condition. Mm-hmm. And then people worry sometimes about birth control pills and like the risk of cancer or fertility. Your fertility returns as soon as you stop or your fertility happens as soon as you mess up on your pills. Yeah. We didn't talk about with the other methods, but The implant, the IUD, the patch, the pill, the NuvaRing, they all have about the same return to fertility once discontinuing Mm -hmm. anywhere in like four to six weeks, if not sooner. And your rate of getting pregnant is about the same as someone who's never been on birth control. Mm -hmm. The only thing that might slow down your fertility or not necessarily slow down your fertility, but might make you slower to ovulate or get back to the regular cycle is Depo because Depo can take quite some time to get out of your system.
1: Gotcha. The point of depot is that you've got a quarter of a year before you can get pregnant. Exactly. But it it can take, like,
0: take longer, way longer than that to like get back to a regular cycle. I mean, it can take 11, 18 months sometimes. It can take a significant long time. But yeah, that'd probably be one of the more important things that people ask about because they always worried about whether or not it's going to affect them in the long term. And it can be reduce your risk of endometrial and ovarian cancer as well.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Endometrial and ovarian
0: yeah. I mean, I usually end up talking that, about that a lot when I have people with PCOS because they're having ovatory cycles. And so mm-hmm. their uterine lining is like building up, building up, that can put them at risk for endometrial hyperplasia. So when you use something like pills or birth control in general, that will stop the thinner endometrium, that's actually reducing their chances of getting endometrial hyperplasia mm-hmm. and reducing their chances of getting endometrial cancer or uterine
1: cancer. Wow. That's that's lovely. I feel it's been it's been so long since I thought about endometrial cancer in that way. That makes so much yeah. sense. That's lovely. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean that's kind of the big thing about PCOS, right? Is the end cycles and this lining that's kind of just building up out of control.
1: Well, that was awesome. So helpful. So informative. I think OCPs, there's such a vast kind of variety of them that it sometimes it can be a daunting task to have a conversation with a patient about it. So that was a great primer. Yeah. No, I agree. Really validating of the specialty in general that they can use all of these different hormone combinations to do different things for their patients. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Reach us anytime at pedsabit at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our Instagram at FeedsAdmit. Check out our Twitter at AdminPeeds. Find us anywhere. Yeah, find us everywhere. We'll see you next time.